Welcome to Forgotten TV, the podcast that brings you TV memories of the 70s and 80s with a focus on short-lived TV shows, pilots, and made-for-TV movies. I'm Chris Cooling. Thanks so much for tuning in to Forgotten TV, which now can be found on TuneIn Radio. Television has a long tradition of adapting comic book, pulp fiction, and radio two-fisted heroes to the small screen. Starting in 1949 with the TV adaptation of The Lone Ranger, in 1950 with Buck Rogers, which was performed live on ABC television, also in 1950, Dick Tracy, in 1954, Flash Gordon on the DuMont Network, in 1955, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, a very early syndicated show. Excitement! Danger! Stalk the lovely and courageous Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. Native drums voodoo their jungle madness as Sheena and Bob the Hunter take you on a series of action-packed adventures through the treacherous jungle. In 1957, many remember the Walt Disney-produced Zorro on ABC. Out of the night when the full moon is bright comes a horseman known as Zorro. His bold renegade carves a Z with his blade, a Z that stands for Zorro. In 1966, The Green Hornet and Batman on ABC. On NBC, Tarzan with Ron Ely. In 1979, NBC brought us a second TV incarnation of Buck Rogers. Fast forward to early 1986. With the exception of a brief effort to resurrect Zorro on CBS, television had not had a live-action adaptation of a non-powered hero character from another medium for several years. ABC ordered a pilot to be filmed based on a then-almost-50-year-old comic book property that had never been adapted to live-action media with the potential of a series for the 1986 fall season. This character was Will Eisner's The Spirit. The Spirit was created in 1940 by artist and writer Will Eisner. The character ran in a comic book with an unprecedented format. It was a Sunday newspaper color comic book insert. Eventually, it was carried by 20 newspapers with a circulation of 5 million copies and featured Will Eisner's realistic, distinctive art style. The stories themselves were written in a wide variety of styles, from straightforward crime noir to lighthearted adventure, from mystery and horror to comedy and love stories. The spirit, like Batman that had appeared a year earlier, was a masked vigilante who fights crime with the blessing of the city police commissioner. Unlike Batman, the spirit was a middle-class crime fighter on a budget in the persona of police detective Denny Colt, who died in the first three pages of the initial story. Due to an exposure to chemicals, he rose from the grave, and it was revealed the chemicals created a state of suspended animation. 
Awakening in Wildwood Cemetery, he establishes a base of operations, and because Denny Colt was officially dead, dedicates himself to anonymously fighting crime as the spirit. Wearing only a small domino mask, blue business suit, red necktie, fedora hat, and gloves for a costume. Like so many crime fighters of the era, the spirit had a boy sidekick, Ebony White. Since this character was black, his name was a racial pun, and his depiction was a typical blackface caricature, with large white eyes and thick pinkish lips, which was typical for the era. Eisner later admitted to consciously stereotyping this character, but he said he tried to do so with responsibility, and argued that, at the time, humor consisted in our society of bad English and physical difference in identity. Eisner reported receiving letters of both praise and criticism for the character at the time. Ebony was depicted as a competent sidekick. He disarms villains, finds clues the spirit missed, has an above-average understanding of science, drives a cab, and has an encyclopedic comprehension of Central City. The Spirit comic ran from 1940 to 1952 when the character was retired. These stories were reprinted for decades by Harvey Comics and other publishers. Will Eisner created other characters such as Dollman, Black Hawk, Uncle Sam, and Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. But unlike other comic heroes such as Superman, Batman, and Captain America, the Spirit was never depicted on screen in the 1940s or 50s. Story has it that Republic Pictures was interested in doing a film version and was in negotiation with the copyright owner in the mid-40s, but they were never able to close the deal. The leftover screenplay became the 1943 serial The Masked Marvel. Now let's talk about the TV movie pilot that aired in 1987. Directed by Michael Schultz, who went on to direct episodes of Picket Fences, The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, The Practice, Chuck, and currently Arrow on The CW, and written by Stephen E. D'Souza, who had written episodes of The Six Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman, Knight Rider, and The Powers of Matthew Starr, and would write Die Hard the following year. Starring Sam J. Jones as the title character, having previously played two-fisted pulp hero Flash Gordon in the 1980 film, it was thought Jones was perfect for the role. For more about Sam Jones, listen to the last episode of Forgotten TV. Nana Visitor starred as Ellen Dolan. This is several years before Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Nana at this point was becoming a TV guest star regular. 13-year-old Bumper Robinson stars as Yubi, this movie's version of Ebony White. Laura Robinson plays Pajel Roxton, Ellen's socialite friend, all playing characters lifted directly from the comic strip. The Spirit was shot in 1986 in 16 days for a $2.5 million budget. An ABC Capital Cities merger of January 1986 resulted in a major shakeup of TV network executives just as the production got underway. And every executive D'Souza and Von Zernick Productions dealt with prior to beginning filming was replaced. The new executives knew nothing about the pilot and were not interested in a series, having their own plans for the 1986 fall season, and the TV movie pilot was simply shelved. At least until the August 1986 San Diego Comic-Con, where a trailer for the pilot was shown and a petition distributed. 
Even so, the pilot was shelved for nearly a year but finally did air July 31, 1987. By this time, Sam Jones was involved with the Highwayman and, as Stephen D'Souza puts it, the ship had sailed on there being any chance of a series. But at least the pilot got aired. Dropped on a Friday night as part of an ABC Friday night movie double feature, followed by National Lampoon's Class Reunion. Next, we'll take a look at the recap of the Spirit TV pilot movie after these messages. This is ABC. I know how the human mind works. How the criminal will react. This is my gift. Pat Morita is O'Hara. The name is O'Hara. Premiering Saturday. We got vermin on the roof. But I got an idea. He's bringing justice to a naughty world. I think I got him. Sledgehammer. Premieres Fridays this fall. Suppose an alien being visited the Earth. What do you want from me? Suppose he looked like you and me. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are. Suppose he wanted to stay. I'll bring you the being, the creature. From the creators of the hit movie, Starman is back this fall. I'm going to reinstate Blipfords. This is big, isn't it? They're lethal. I've got a story that's going to blow this network. He saw the tape, Ben. He was pulled from high No Blipfords, no deal. Want him alive or dead? People translated as data. Blipfords have to be pulled. What am I on air? And now I'd like your comment on the revolutionary Blipfords. Headroom, coming March 31st. Almost 69 minutes, credits included, we kick off with a 30-second theme by Barry Goldberg, accompanied by Will Eisner comic panels coming to life as upcoming scenes from the movie, and the spirit gets immediately underway. Act 1. We open with police detective Denny Colt racing to assist his old mentor Will after being attacked and his home set on fire by an unknown assailant. Hang on. Who did this to you? Was it, was it somebody you arrested? Was it somebody from the past? I didn't see their face. They just took my manuscript. Okay, there's help. Now you, you save your strength, okay? Denny, only one person knew about my new book. Teasdale, Simon Teasdale. I wrote him a letter. Betty, find out the truth. When you do, make them pay. You always said a good cop was above revenge. I changed my mind. 
Denny follows this lead to Central City, far from his normal jurisdiction of East Armfit, Oregon. The name of his hometown will be the subject of a number of jokes throughout the movie. Denny shows up to a fundraiser where he makes short work of a purse snatcher and meets Ellen Dolan, the police commissioner's daughter, played by Nana Visitor, as well as Ellen's friend and socialite, Pajel. I'm looking for a Dolan. Well, you found one. Ellen, to be exact. Denny Colt. Colt, huh? Looking for a filly. Excuse me? Uh, don't mind the merry widow. Ellen? Miss Dolan. It is miss. Oh, it's... Definitely a miss. Is uh, Commissioner Dolan, is he a relative of yours? See this chin? There's one exactly like it. Right over there. It's attached to my father. Oh, Mr. Colt. Um, now that I've identified Daddy, you're not a hitman, are you? No, ma'am. I am a police officer. And crime, especially murder, is never a laughing matter. The subject of Colt's investigation is Simon Teasdale, an established member of society and museum director. Denny lets the commissioner in on his intentions. Yes, your office told me I could reach you here. Uh, my name is Denny Colt. I'm with the police force in East Armford, Oregon. Here are my credentials. Sorry, uh, He's probably married. Probably snores, too. You, uh, you want to question Simon J. Teasdale? Yes, sir. You're talking about the uh, curator of the Roxton Museum. So? No, uh, that's not the kind of man you casually drag into a murder investigation. No. Hey, maybe you do things different up in East Armpit. Armfet. Yes, sir, we do things different up there. Nobody's above the law, no matter how rich, no matter how powerful. Now, wait a minute, son. Maybe you think that boondock badge of yours is going to make us locals kowtow and quiver while you've got another thing coming. You want to do business in my city, you make an appointment for Monday. Commissioner, sir, my best friend in the whole world died in my arms two days ago, and I do not intend to wait until Monday to find his killer. We are also introduced to Yubi, played by Bumper Robinson, who is fencing hot Walkmans to the local kids. Cassettes. They run on two AA batteries. They're factory seconds. Save a bundle. Ten spot and it's yours. Come on there, Rambo. Wanna explain to me what you're doing over here? Please. Armpit? Arm fetch. Look, my name ain't Rambo. It's uh Yubi. This feel kinda warm to me. Hey, no way. It's a factory second. The rewind doesn't work, so you flip the tape. Press fast forward. UB sounded like rewind to me. Uh-oh. Okay, look, you're gonna take me in, go ahead. But first, you gotta collect the tape decks. You know, for evidence. Start with the blind kid in the wheelchair. Okay, kid. I'm gonna give you a break this time. Come here. I want you to remember something. The ends never justify the means. And the road to hell, well, that's paved with good intentions. 
All right. Right. Yes, these Denny cultisms are peppered throughout the script. Cult's line of questioning doesn't go over well at the museum, and he is promptly ejected. I think you've overstayed your welcome, Mr. Colt. Oh, darn. And I was looking forward to the next few centuries. You would do better to worry about the next few seconds. Security. Right away, sir. But when Colt meets up with shady informant Bruno later that night at a local pier, he gets shot and left for dead in the bay. Found it. You're a veritable homing pigeon. Something wrong? It's funny. Earlier today you seemed stupid. So did you. is meeting up with his friend Stevie, who is opening up a stolen crate of albums, when Colt seems to inexplicably rise from the grave. What was that? I don't know. Uh, uh, I... I didn't know this was your, your turf here. Uh, some, some of my best friends are zombies. <coughs> Officer Colt? Is that you? You better have a receipt for these. It is you. You've been shot. In reality, he wandered into the cemetery after crawling out of the bay, but the editing and the way the scene was staged could have been more clear. The pilot is omitting the suspended animation aspect of the comic book origin. Yubi wraps up Colt's injuries, and off-screen, Yubi finds a doctor to treat him, and some days pass. We cut to Denny Colt's funeral, attended by the commissioner and Ellen, and we get a scene where Denny reveals his intentions to Yubi. I think she's got the hots for you. Too bad you're dead. Okay, so dead men don't have much of a social life. But there are some advantages we have over the living. Oh, name one. Well, there's no income tax, no junk mail, and no rent. And there's another advantage. Criminals get sloppy if they think you're dead. They stop, they stop looking over their shoulder and they stop being careful and they start to forget. Well, 
but you don't. You don't forget. Ah. And you don't forgive. <sighs> Sounds like you got something planned. Oh, I do. Well, what do you think? Maybe you ought to lie down again. We then get a montage of Colt in a thin domino mask, dark blue fedora, and light blue suit, stopping crimes all over, complete with spinning newspapers calling Colt the spirit. Colt has a Batman-style meeting with the commissioner, but in a very un-Batman-like act, he reveals himself. I don't believe it. But Denny Colt alive. No, Dolan, Denny Colt is dead, and he's going to stay that way. But I don't understand, but... Isn't it obvious? Look, the criminals I have captured are behind bars where they all belong. But if, if those same criminals had been captured by Officer Denny Colt instead of the uh, mysterious spirit, you would still be in court stumbling over red tape and fighting bureaucracy instead of crime. Then Alan shows up for an awkward meeting. Uh, I'm sorry if I startled you. It's all right. Didn't mean to beat you into unconsciousness. <laughs> Uh, oh. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Miss Dolan. Commissioner, I'll be in touch. Oh, wait a minute. Yes. Uh, why can't the mask come off? Oh, well, oh, because uh, criminals fear the unknown. Because uh, a, a man with no name is a man without restraints. Right. You know what that sounds like? The Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger. Ranger, I know, I know. Maybe this mask was a mistake. Act three. The spirit discovers an art and antiquities forging operation is being run in a warehouse and he busts up the operation until he gets knocked out and gets put on a flatbed lowering into a vat of acid. Of course the bad guys leave to make it to the Rick James concert, assured that the spirit would meet his doom in a movie serial-style cliffhanger trap just as Ellen shows up. Not bad. Focus, one priceless work of art. At the same time, focus, no more body. You guys like Rick James? I think we can still make it if we hurry. Dean, get the door. Act 
four. An unconscious spirit is rescued by Ellen and gives him an awkward cab ride home. Feeling better? Yeah, what were you doing? Me? When? Just now, before I woke up. Oh, 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 that, oh. Uh, you probably didn't even notice it, but you had a little something in your eye. Yeah, there it is. I don't know if you wear contacts or not, but... No, definitely don't wear contacts. Helen, you, you were reaching for my mask. Spirit, I'm appalled. I mean, how could you think something like that of me? I, 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 that I would violate your trust like that, especially after I just saved your life. I mean, do I look like the kind of girl who goes around undressing men? Do you mean unmasking? That's what I said. No, you said undressing. Did not? <laughs> I heard you. It was very clear. You said undressing men. That would be a very pathetic and obvious Freudian slip, and I did not say it. The spirit then enjoys dinner with the commissioner and Ellen while his suit is sewn up. Later, he gets an idea to visit Teasdale and Pagel in disguise in order to stir things up, and we get a reveal on who the real villain is. Bruno, we're not gonna hey, baby, we what went took on. you so long? Bruno. 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 I'm afraid the forgeries just hit the fan. Act 5. Goons follow the spirit to the cemetery, and he discovers they actually work for Pajel Roxton, Ellen's socialite friend, the real mastermind. Gee, I should have brought some popcorn. You! And all along, I thought it was Teasdale. <laughs> Teasdale is a pompous fool, but an honest one. And what does that make you? Trouble. Okay, boys, put him in the trunk. He'll be out for hours. It turns out Pagel has been duplicating works of art from the museum and selling them on the black market. And the spirit mistakenly involves Ellen. And now the spirit and Ellen are set up in another trap. Ellen! What's she doing here? She had a personal invitation from you. What do you mean? You called her name. I aim to please. You see, maybe you don't care about yourself, spirit. But I'm willing to bet that a wholesome guy like you can't stand the sight of ingenue blood. Let her rip. Now, for the very last time, where is the copy of the Severn Manuscript? There is no manuscript. I made that up. Now, let her go. You made it up? Get the explosives. That's all we need to know. What are you doing? Covering my tracks. I'm going to trash it all. The evidence, the museum, and everybody in there. You promised! Guess I'm just incorrigible. What kind of a creature are you? There are helpless children upstairs. That's their karma. 
Mine is to finally meet my Swiss bankers face to face. Of course, they get out, and now the spirit has to stop Pajel's goons before they blow up the museum that would kill all the people attending a party upstairs. The plot now foiled, Pajel makes a slick getaway and we get a wrap-up back at the crypt, which has evidently been visited by the interior decorator and is fully decorated with a jukebox, furniture, Uncle Sam clock statue, and framed art. Well, I spoke with headquarters today and they told me that uh, Interpol and Lloyds of London have both pledged cooperation. So with uh, the list of buyers we found and a little bit of luck, all the stolen artworks will be back where they belong. Well, the publicity hasn't hurt the museum any. Did you know Teasdale's scheduled for Nightline and Merv in the same week? <laughs> Looks like the spirit's done it again. Again? No, I, I never did it before. And there's one very major loose end. Hmm. My very good friend, Pigel. Oh, we will meet again. Sounds like you're really looking forward to it. Ellen, now that would be a pathetic and obvious Freudian slip. I know. <laughs> Got a long day of crime fighting tomorrow. Yeah, I'll get your coat. Well, Spirit, I gotta tell you, you've done wonders with this crypt. Do you really mean that? Oh, uh, it's definitely you. <laughs> Let me walk you home. Oh, don't be silly. It would be my pleasure. Don't be silly, Spirit. I mean, I appreciate the offer, but it's really not necessary. I've survived a kidnapping, torture, time bomb. I'm perfectly capable. Well, if you insist. You know, Spirit, this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Weird, but beautiful. The movie was almost completely faithful to the original source material, and production designer Fred Hartman pioneered the primary color comic book visual style, which was later used in 1990's Dick Tracy, as well as the no-period production design that allowed them to save quite a bit of money, as they could use anachronistic props and vehicles that were not tied to any specific time period. This was later used to good effect in Batman the Animated Series, the 1990 Flash series, and even Gotham, that airs currently on the WB. Some scenes in the spirit even recreated specific moments from the comic book, panel for panel. Prior to the ABC Network shakeup, the network's Standards and Practices division delivered several production notes to D'Souza, specifying a number of scenes to sanitize and tone down the violence depicted. What did make it to the 1986 ABC fall season instead? With the exception of Head of the Class, none of the new fall series were very successful, and all were quite short-lived, and include The Charmings, Gung Ho, Life with Lucy, O'Hara, and Sidekicks. Not everything from ABC's 86 fall season is totally forgotten. Although short-lived, many people have fond memories of Max Headroom, 
Sledgehammer, and Starman. An animated feature to be directed by Brad Bird was reportedly also in development in the 1980s, but never materialized. 20 years later, The Spirit was resurrected by Lionsgate, written and directed by Frank Miller. Perhaps you remember the striking visuals in the style of 300 and Sin City presented in the movie trailer. Or maybe you were one of the few that actually saw it. My city, she's always there for me. She sleeps after midnight and until dawn, only shadows move in the silence. Damn, I've got no time for this. My city screams. She needs me. She is my love. She is my life. And I am her spirit. The film was almost universally panned by critics and audiences, and it turned out to be a big money loser for the studio in 2008, performing slightly worse than The X-Files, I Want to Believe, at $19.8 million. The Spirit 1987 TV movie is available as a bare-bones DVD release from the Warner Archive as part of their print-on-demand service. Although it is a legitimate release, it is a burned DVD copy, and as such, viewers may experience issues with playback on some computers and older DVD players, although I had no such problems. Although the color scheme they picked for this cover is dark shades, making it appear that he is wearing an almost black hat, mask, and suit, very similar to the visuals presented in the 2008 version. I guess this is what they were going for, and I hate when they do things like that. Like Denny Colt, nothing in the comic book world stays dead for long. With the innumerable comic book films and TV shows that litter the film release schedule and TV listings, we may yet see the spirit live again in live-action form. Next time on Forgotten TV... May I introduce myself? My name is Kolshak of the Daily Chronicle. Kolshak reports the bazaar, the unexplainable. You again in another crazy story. This nut thinks he is a vampire. Darren McGavin, the Night Stalker. make you nervous, actor. Karen Black, a major star, creates a television first. Face. To face. To face. With the unbearable unknown. Trilogy of Terror. Now it has been so many hundreds of years that it seems the ancient statues and paintings of gargoyles are just products of man's imagination. In this year, with man's thoughts turned toward the many ills he has brought upon himself, man has forgotten his most ancient adversary, the gargoyles. From vampires and werewolves to gargoyles and killer dolls with knives, it's creepy TV monster movies of the 70s. That's next time on Forgotten TV. Forgotten TV is not affiliated with D'Souza Productions, Warner Brothers Television, ABC, or any network or production company involved in the making of any show mentioned in this episode. 
all mentioned series and associated characters are the property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Audio clips are included for the purposes of review, commentary, and criticism only and are not intended to infringe. And I'd like to thank the following YouTube channels for making this episode possible. Retro Tie, The Pulse of Nostalgia. Retro Ontario. Beta Max. The Logo Channel. The Warner Archive Collection. And special thanks to Stephen McRae for supporting this episode. If you'd like an easy way to support Forgotten TV, check out my Amazon wish list on the Forgotten TV website. Or click through to Amazon and do your regular shopping. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it's a great way to support the show. Forgotten TV is a member of the Frequent Wire Podcast Network. Be sure and like the Forgotten TV Facebook page and follow Forgotten TV on Twitter. All those links are found at Forgotten.tv. I'm Chris Cooling, and this has been Forgotten TV. Forgotten TV.